0: Welcome back. It's Stateside Lilywhites again. I'm your host, Sam Holden. We're here talking Tottenham Hotspur. We're here talking football. We're here to just chat football in general, but you know, we're going to talk about Tottenham. That's what you came here for. We're going to talk about Tottenham Hotspur, all things Spurs, this side of the Atlantic. We're getting into it today. We got a lot to talk about. It's kind of nice. I'm glad that we're past that January window where they've sort of employed this winter break that some of the other Leagues do, you know, the Bundesliga, they like to employ this sort of winter break. You know, I think they kind of tried it this year. Well, sort of. They sort of did one weekend on, one weekend off, or like half clubs and things like that. Um, Or half the clubs played, half the clubs didn't. Um, And that's all well and good. But, you know, we're football fans. We want to watch football. Um, And so, you know, we obviously want our players to be healthy and fit, but also give us a football. Give us things to talk about. Never enough football. But, uh, as always, there's plenty to talk about in the realm of Tottenham. We got a lot of stuff going on from the Everton draw, uh, whether it was two points dropped or one point gained is still up for a bit of debate. Um, As always, some of the some of the emotion and some of the immediate outlash or backlash and whatnot from that match have kind of died down. And so you start to see a bit more. Level-headed responses. uh, I mean, some people you can't even have a discussion with them about anything post a Tottenham match unless it's like a 3-0 win that we absolutely outclass the other opponent. So, kind of glad. You know, it's always nice as the days kind of wind down after a match that people's heads start kind of coming back to them. It was obviously a frustrating draw, but we're going to talk more about that. We're going to preview Brighton, big match away, or big match at home, I should say, against Brighton. And there's plenty more to talk about. Spurs on loan, Spurs internationally, which is actually where we're going to start. We're going to jump right in with um, with some of the internationals who've been away. And officially, as of today, I say this with a heavy heart that all of our internationals are actually going to be back, and that's a great thing. We love that. We love that all our internationals were coming back. Uh, we said it on the last episode. You know, gut wrenching for for. Sorry, you never want to see a young man lose out on on playing for his country and whatnot, but we're so happy to have Sar back. And same goes for now Basuma and Sonny. Sonny's was just oh, it was just heartbreaking. It was so hard to watch. The man was in tears. Uh, but as always, he's such a good captain. He's such a good man. I don't know him personally, but we can all tell the kind of person he is, having been with our club for so long. And uh, the way he interacts and the way people receive him on the pitch and, and the way he speaks and everything about him, he's just great. You know, he after the match, you know, where you could very easily kind of walk down the tunnel and go into the dressing room and have a moment to yourself, you know, he kind of gets emotional on the pitch and then composes himself and then goes through, goes through the, you know, goes through all the post-match interviews and stuff amongst all the different media, you know, for Korean media and the other foreign media, British media and things like that. And so he's just, you know, in moments like that, I'm just so proud that Son Heung-min is our captain. He's such a great role model, uh, both on and off the pitch. And so, Heartbreaking for him. I'm really bummed he couldn't um, couldn't get it done with, with South Korea. And it's such a shame, too, because they really do have a, a pretty talented squad. I won't get too much into reviewing that match. But it was, um, they for, for a team that has so much talent around the pitch, they just don't play like it. I mean, that first 20 minutes of that match against Jordan in the semifinal was just, it was hard to watch. It was like watching Sunday League. Honestly, it was really hard to watch. I mean there was no possession. I mean the defenders clearly hadn't had no direction from the manager as to what to do when they received the ball and they were just hoofing it down the pitch. It was just it was, just, it was like schoolboy stuff. It didn't it didn't really make a lot of sense. So it's hard to hard to see Son be a part of a team like that, especially this year when he's been playing for Ange and it's all been very very attractive on the eye and easy to watch and great attacking football and he's he's been instrumental in that. So It was kind of hard to, it's hard to watch Sonny in a a South Korea team that really, despite making it to the semifinal, didn't really fire on all cylinders, so anyway, you know, like I said, it's bittersweet, we're glad that we've got the guy back, he's our captain, Uh, obviously we're getting Basuma back as well, he was again an unused sub, uh, unused sub, I should say, at AFCON, they lost in the, uh, I think it was the quarterfinals, yeah, to Ivory Coast, so we should see him back sooner or later, that happened over the weekend, so, Yeah, we got Basuma and Son, arguably two of our best players coming back into the fold, which is huge for Spurs, tough for their national teams. But now we can now we can kind of like we had to do with the World Cup, you know, a season back. Now we can kind of move, move past this sort of weird break that we've had where we've had this the Premier League break. We've had a, um, you know, these international breaks. We've had so many injuries. It feels like genuinely we're entering. a a completely different part of the season. You know, we're still, you know, going from match to match, but it feels like we're entering a completely new chapter of the season, this sort of second half, last third-ish of of the, the Premier League season. We're out in all the other competitions. And so, frankly, our job is so simple. Our job is so simple that, you know, we're playing Premier League matches, home and away Premier League matches, no cup matches, no rotating the squad too much, no travels, you know, to obscure parts of Europe. Nothing like that. It's just Premier League football. So um, hopefully hopefully we can kind of screw our heads on right and, and sort of finish this last third half of the season um, with style and, and similar in the same vein when we were starting the season with that full squad that was just absolutely smoking the Premier League. So uh, exciting that we're going to get some back. That is really exciting. Um, exciting that we're getting Basuma back, albeit under under bad circumstances for those players. But that being said, we're freaking ecstatic to get these boys back. Um, and frankly, we could have used them, honestly, over the weekend. That Everton match was... It's so frustrating when you've watched Spurs long enough and you just see it coming. You just see it coming. It was so obvious from the very first kick. On our last podcast, I said it. I... I I predicted it would be a frustrating draw and it, it was exactly that. A match that honestly the way we played, I don't know if we deserved to win the match. You know, that's such a huge thing in the Premier League is that first of all you have to you have to play for the right to win. You know, you have to you have to you have to earn the right to win. You have to do all the things, you have to go through all the motions, you have to be sound defensively, you have to make good decisions, you have to hold the ball, you have to press well. You got to do all the things. You got to earn the right to win the match. And in a lot of ways we did that, but in a lot of other ways we just didn't in the way that I think we're accustomed to winning the winning a match under Pasta Coglu, I really don't feel like we played at all, at all to some of the some of the the tenements that that we've become accustomed to under Pasta Coglu. And I think that's what made it such a frustrating match. It was just it was just a really hard watch. Honestly, it was not necessarily easy on the eye. It was, outside of Richarlison's two absolute world-class goals, it really wasn't a great match on the eye. Um, Even, you know, Everton's first goal was just kind of sort of trumbled in, it felt like, a little bit. And it it just, you know, it really was just uh, not a great match on the eye. That being said, if you want to win the Premier League, you have to win those matches. And and we just couldn't quite get over the line. Um, You know, there's been a lot of debate, I think, as to whether it was one point gained or two points lost at the end of the day it's one point gained obviously but when you're winning when you're winning a premier league match moving into extra time and you lose the match and you don't come away with three points it's always going to be disappointing whether you're man city or whether you're luton doesn't matter doesn't and, and even if you're playing you know even if you're playing sunday league soccer if you're winning the match going into extra time and you don't end up getting the three points or getting the win it's going to be disappointing whether you're tottenham hotspur or Whatever, doesn't matter. So it's it's hard not to see it as two points lost. That being said, uh, some Spurs fans, I'm I'm convinced, will not be satisfied unless we literally win every game comfortably, stylishly, 3-0, son gets a hat trick, you know, and, and all these things, right? And Ange has a really, really great interview afterwards where he says, mate, a whole bunch. Like, honestly, I feel like some Spurs fans won't be satisfied unless that's the case. Not trying to ostracize them, but it's like at some point you have to you know, we have not had a lot of success over the last however many years, most of my lifetime. And so at some point, we have to, if we want to be a Premier League winning, if we want to be a trophy winning club, we have to be willing to understand like what's a good result and what's not a good result. And honestly, a draw away at Everton, at Goodison, it's never going to be a, in my eyes, a bad result. That being said, it doesn't make it less frustrating, incredibly frustrating match. And frankly, an Everton team who are struggling for points despite their, you know, um, they've had that 10-point deduction and you know have had good patches of this season, um, but albeit not a not a top-tier Everton squad, and especially they were missing some players, especially in the midfield. So, you know, like I said, it's um, it's on, I'm on the fence, and I think this is what led has led to so much discourse and and infighting. It feels like over the weekend, but amongst Spurs fans, it seems like, you know, you got some people who are saying, oh, it's a you know. You know, we, we can't win every match. A draw's a draw. Uh, you know, there's no such thing as a bad draw away in the Premier League, which is, you know, something that I I'm I say all the time. There's no such thing as a bad draw away in the Premier League. Uh, and then you have some fans who are like, no, we've lost that. If we want to win titles, you know, we have to win those matches. And I understand that. I get that. Uh, but I think I eventually fall on the side of, you know what, if you take the context of how we conceded the final goal out of the match, you stop looking at the details, uh, I think you realize that, you know, a, a point away at Goodison against a team who's fighting for relegation, a Sean Dyche team who's going to be defensive. They're going to be solid. They're not going to make a ton of mistakes. It's not going to be an attractive game. Any win that you're going to get is going to be a squeaky, unclean win. And so. I just, I think that, you know, some of the, some of the backlash after these games, I think it's the manner in which we, we, we draw the match, I think is what, what leads a lot of people into some of the, the kind of hysteria that we see, um, that being said, you know, um, maybe it's wrong of, wrong of me that my, you know, you know, my standards are quote unquote low, but a, a draw could have since a good result, even if incredibly frustrating. Um, I don't think a draw away from home is an apocalyptic disaster, um, all that being said, I'm waffling on now. All that being said, is that this is this, the, and the thing I will say is that this was the first match where I really found myself looking at Ange and looking at some of his decision making, um, and I and I felt disappointed. And I think this was the first match where I was like, okay, I'm I'm not entirely sure I agree with with what Ange has done. And I think we're finally hitting a point now. Where the honeymoon period of, of Ange Postacoglu at Spurs is understandably over, right? Like we've had we had that amazing start to the season. And then Ange has managed to get us through this holiday period and through these internationals um, being away and some of, you know, some of our, you know, low points of the season. He's managed to get us through all that. And so I think as Spurs fans, we assume that now that those things are starting to come to an end, our crisis moment of the season is coming to an end, that everything's gonna be back to the way it was at the very beginning of the season. Um, And I think that that's wrong to assume that. Um, And so now I think some of our goggles, some of our honeymoon goggles are being taken off and we kind of... I think we're allowed to be frustrated with the guy. I think we're allowed to be frustrated with the fact that, like, honestly, I felt like some of his substitutions and some of his decision-making towards the end of that game, I really felt like they cost us uh, three points. Honestly, I I genuinely believe that. Uh, Let me know if you disagree in the comments of of, of this episode. But... I really, felt like, I really felt like his decisions were what led us to dropping points. I thought, you know, to, to praise him first off, I thought the SAR for Bentoncourt sub was a given. Again, Bentoncourt didn't look at it. Um, we can kind of get more into that as we preview the Brighton match and kind of what's going on with Bentoncourt at the moment. Um, but I thought the SAR for Bentoncourt substitution was spot on. I think SAR came on. He looked a bit rusty, but he gave us some energy. Um, he wasn't great. Wasn't terrible, but I, I thought it was right to bring Benton core off. Kulisevsky coming on for Brendan Johnson made sense. That's a logical switch. For me, though, I'm surprised that that situation wasn't the opposite, where Kulisevsky got the start and Brendan Johnson came on as a super sub. I think Brendan Johnson's been in his absolute best when he comes on as a super sub. Uh, for me, I think I think he when he is able to um, employ his pace against a left back who's been kind of running all match. I think that's when Brendan Johnson's at his absolute best, um, and so I thought that, that substitution made sense. Albeit Kulusevski was incredibly disappointing, and I think Kulusevski is another one of the reasons that we did drop points. His foul that he gave away um, right on the edge of the box um, towards the end of the towards the end of the of the match that ended up leading leading to the goal was I thought it was really disappointing I thought his hold up play was was really disappointing and I think is one of those players who he needs to feel his way into the game just dropping Kulisevsky into the into a match that we are just trying to see out it, that's I think that's setting him up for failure I think Brennan Johnson is the player who at the end of the match we're just trying to you know we're just parking the bus and we're just trying to defend and we're holding on for dear life for three points at Goodison I think what we need to do is that's when you bring Brennan Johnson on for Kulisevsky. And just put the ball, put the ball high up in the air. Let Brennan Johnson go after it. Uh, boot the ball out from our box. Let Brennan Johnson go attack it. Win some tactical f- or win some tactical fouls. Give away some tactical fouls, uh, and kind of see the game out professionally, you know. Instead, Johnson came off after having a relatively disappointing afternoon, and then Kulisevsky comes on, and he can't quite work himself into the match because he's not really seeing much of the ball, and when he does. He's losing the ball, and then he and then he gives away a free kick. It just it the substitution I felt like was a natural one that that made sense at the time, uh, but to me I disagree with the fact that that Kulusevsky wasn't the one um, who was starting and Brennan Johnson coming on for him. But again, that's just a personal opinion. I can't really blame Ange too much for that one. But the one that that really gets me and the and where I'm referencing Ange being disappointing in his decision making is really the final three subs. I thought bringing on Brian Keel and Oliver Skip, both of whom I will defend. If they're wearing a Spurs shirt, I'll defend. Brian Gill, I think his whole situation is just unfortunate. I mean, he basically just... He's just he's I don't think he's built for the Premier League, uh, but we won't get too much into Brian Gill. But I thought the subs themselves, Brian Gill and Oliver Skip on for Madison and Werner, I, I just i just don't understand those substitutions. Um, you're bringing on Gill, who's been disappointing and is not the same type of player as Werner, uh, and then skip on for Madison. I, I, I guess that one makes sense. But then bringing off Hoybeer for Dragushin, to me, that was the nail in the coffin. I think when you, you take Hoybier off, right, we, we we employ this system where we have four in the back, we have two in the midfield, uh, sort of a ball-carrying midfielder in a Sar or a Bentancourt, and a number six in a Basuma or a Hoybeer. And so... Clearly, the way that we train and the way that this system is supposed to work is that our center backs win the ball back. Our center backs win the ball back, whether it's Van Ven or Romero and Dragushin when he's in there, or our full backs win the ball back. And the first thing that they do, because we want to play out from the back, we're not just going to hoof it out, right? We're not looting. We're not just going to hoof the ball out, right? The first thing that we're going to do is that our, our defenders are going to do is they're going to look for a pass into the midfield. And so when we're trying to see out three points against a team who's going to play the way Everton are going to play, which is physically, and they're going to keep things very tight, and we're going to need to play around that, right? Why, why at the very end of the match would you switch up the tactic in which we take the ball out of our defensive third? We take Hoybier off the pitch and that's one less out ball for our defenders to have when they win the ball and they want to look for a pass. That's one less body they have in the midfield. Whenever you think of Hoybier he is a body in the midfielder. He's a possession-based midfielder who wants to, who will, in that situation, can receive the ball, turn, and he can hoof it. He can win a foul. He can pass it out wide to the winger, to Kulisevsky or to, or to Brian Keel or someone like that who's still on the pitch. And... And then we can eventually work our way back down the pitch and get the ball away from our goal. But when you throw Dragushin on, and I'm not trying to throw Dragushin under the bus, but you throw Dragushin on, and he's just in there to win headers. He's in there to win headers, and he's there to win the ball. He's not there to retain the ball and find a pass and do all these things, right? Our defenders, for, for Spurs, it's very simple. They win the ball, they find a pass to the midfield, and then the midfield advances the ball up the pitch. Whether that's through Basuma, through Madison, through Bentoncourt, through whoever. doesn't matter. But you take Hoybeer off... And it just, it literally, uh, towards the end of the Everton match, we looked like chickens with our head cut off. We would win the ball, we'd win a header, Dragosin would win a header, Romero, whatever. They'd win a header, and and then there'd be no one in the midfield to pick up the ball. And so Everton just dominated possession, and then Kulisevsky, probably in frustration, gives away a cheap free kick, and then next thing you know, it's 2-2. And to me, it just it just felt like those subs really signaled, and uh, not an omission, but just like a, a you know, uh, we're, we're not here to win the match anymore. You know, we kind of regressed to these tactics that we haven't been playing with thus far. And it just, you know, it just, it, it really felt like frustrating substitutions to me. Um, I, I don't understand, are we are we taking hoybier off uh, to to save his legs? Are we, are we taking Hoybier off uh, because I know we want another defender, but that's also one less player playing in the midfield. So, I mean, I guess with bringing Beto on that, that Ange wanted to to kind of counteract or counterbalance Beto's aerial prowess. I guess, I guess you know, as I've thought about it, you know, maybe that's the case. But to me, we're already winning those 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 battles. Romero is hadn't given you know, you know, Romero was still in there battling. He's not hasn't given away some of the crazy cheap free kicks that he's given away in the past. Van Deven was absolutely stud man of the match as always, and so. I don't, just don't understand bringing Hoybeer off. Whatever your opinion of Hoybeer is, he, I don't know if he deserved to be pulled for another defender when the defenders would get the ball and they did, were looking for a player in Hoybeer's position. It just To me, it, it just didn't make sense. Um, and and any time as well that I think that we're, you play a back four and then it comes to the end of the match and you throw off one of another players to throw on another defender, to me, it just it puts us on the back foot. It gives the other team license to attack. It's one less player that we have to retain the ball. Instead, we're just trying to see off the ball. And so I just, I don't know, it, it just it just didn't work. And those last 10 minutes were just very jagged and they didn't work. And then of course you could just feel it coming. And and I think the goal was just really frustrating. And, you know, frankly, I, I, I've said this, you know on on our platforms, I, I've said that honestly, I feel like a lot of the frustration that has come from the end of the match, certainly from my end and certainly from people who I've interacted with feel like a lot of the frustration that comes with that match is one that we've seen that match a thousand times, right? That match where we can feel the goal coming, we don't kill the game off, and then boom, it's 2-2, two, two, two points dropped. But I think the thing that feels especially frustrating is that, at least for me and people who I've spoken to and the optimistic Spurs fans of the world, is that... I genuinely feel like we have, we still have a chance at this title, at this Premier League title, albeit a long shot, and other clubs can laugh that idea off. But we are seven points off the top, right? We're seven points off the top. We are still in this. Our next slate of fixtures on paper look favorable. We can go through the next three matches with, you know, who kn- I mean, the next 15 matches with who knows how many points. And so I think what, what makes that match so frustrating really is just the fact that you know, there was a real opportunity kind of wasted. And so I feel like uh, that's a lot of the the frustration there. But you know what? It's Premier League. There We're not the only team who's trying to fight for points. We're not the only team in there. Everton is, you know, Goodison is one of the craziest places to play. It's a hard place to play. And so I think that we can't be greedy in saying that, you know, we are the only ones who deserve to point there. Because frankly, if you look at it over the course of the day, sure, you can put a magnifying glass on the last 10 minutes of the match and say this is where it went wrong and we deserve to win the match. But there, we also played 90 minutes before that where, frankly, Everton looked at it and they looked like they were on top of it. And honestly, outside of two fantastic finishes from Richarlison, I actually thought we were kind of poor. And so if you put a magnifying glass on one part of the game, of course it's going to seem disappointing. That being said, you can't do that. You, you play 90 Nowadays, you play 100 minutes of football and and you know you, you need to be the better team throughout the entire match and I don't think we were. and so on the grand scheme of things, I, I felt like 2-2 two, two was was probably fair to be to be quite honest. and I only hope that as we move into this coming weekend against Brighton that that you know we start stepping things up and, and that we we find ways to finish games off uh, in ways that we were really doing at the beginning of the season and that we've done throughout the season. Um, but really finishing matches off, and for God's sake, uh, honestly, uh, we have not had a clean sheet in what feels like so long. I'm sure that we aren't even close to you know, some record that I'm sure we have of a uh, most amount of Premier League games without keeping a clean sheet. I'm sure we're, we're far from something like that, but it just feels like it's been a while. Um, I was looking at some of how some of our, our low knees were doing, our Ashley Phillips, Joe Roden, Judd Spence, uh, how a lot of our um, defenders on loan are doing. And a lot of them are keeping clean sheets, albeit against lesser opponents. But boy, I tell you, we, we could use some of that. And um, I think that despite how good Van De Van has been, and despite how good Udagi has been, and uh, most of our players of the season candidates have been in defense, that being said, we've been poor defensively. I mean, we're, we're giving away, we've given away f- over 40 goals this season, and. And to be fair, I, I, I'm ready for if, if we go to Brighton or if Brighton come to, to the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and it finishes nil-nil, which it almost certainly won't <laughs> for reasons that we'll get to, um, you know, honestly, that wouldn't even be a bad result because really I just feel like our defense needs a clean sheet like they need more, more than they need anything else. You know, we, we could really use a clean sheet. It's been a while and you can really start to feel that. Um, and so anyway, so... Brighton's a big match coming up. You know, you've got Son, you got Basuma coming back. You've got probably a fully healthy Sar. Uh, it seems like Giovanni Lascelles is going to pass fit. Uh, some of our longer absences are, are probably still going to be out. Manor Solomon being the biggest one, but we've seen about, you know, we've seen about two matches of Manor Solomon, so it's kind of hard to to call him an absence. Um, but right now, Brighton are a complete roll of the dice at the moment. Their last three matches. Have all been against relegation battling clubs in Sheffield United, Luton, and Crystal Palace. They've conceded seven goals to those three teams and scored nine. One of which, um, their match against Luton, they didn't score. So they put five against Sheffield United, four against Crystal Palace, and yet conceded four to Luton. So I mean, at this, I mean, what team we are going to get when we play Brighton? I I don't know. Um, they're, they're getting players back. I think they'll probably have Matoma back, who's coming back from international duty, and he's a dangerous player. We've seen Jao Pedro. He's a dangerous player. They defend well. They defend aggressively. They play the same kind of football that we want to play, attacking on the front foot. PastaCoglu and De Zerbi are two of the up-and-coming managers, both in the Premier League and in world football. And so um, I think the Brighton match down at the Amex was, was a really disappointing one. And so I would I would envision that it's going to be a much different match come Saturday at home full squad, uh, but you never know. You know, Nor- logic uh, having watched enough football most of my life, I, my prediction for this match would be that okay we conceded four goals to this Brighton team who wasn't even at full who weren't even at full strength. So I would assume a, a much more defensive match. But granted, under Ange Postacoglu so far, I've been proven wrong again and again in expecting that a match is going to be defensive. So that being said, at the end of the day, we just need to score more goals than them. So um, it's going to be a a tough one. They're a dangerous team. But you know what? At this point, I've said it before. I've said it in in podcasts in the past, said it on social media. There's not really a team right now that I'm minus maybe a Real Madrid and a, a Man City, maybe, not even really. That there's not really a team on this world that I'm afraid of us playing. You know, I really fancy us having a go at any team. And Brighton have shown that they can be one of the best teams in the Premier League. They've also shown that they can be pretty porous defensively. So I think that, honestly, I have no idea what to expect. Um, but what I can expect is is uh, a starting eleven that I, w- I would assume is going to be in there, um, which we'll get into now. Obviously, we're going Vicario and goal. There has been a lot of chitter chatter about Vicario. I said it on said it on our last podcast. I said that if if Vicario, you know, I I I didn't feel like um, I didn't feel like his the the goal we conceded against Man City. I didn't feel like that was a foul on him, but it kind of came from a corner, which he sort of scrambled at, and he was he didn't flop, and he also wasn't strong enough. He was sort of somewhere in the middle, and God, we if we didn't see that against Everton, where. They just kept putting a body on him, and whether it's a foul or whether it's not, you know, it's hard. It's so hard to say because at the same time, goalkeepers are really protected, but at another time, they're really not protected. It's we're sort of in this weird, nebulous place with the goalkeepers. How we want to protect them, but then and they can do no wrong, but then they can come out and get red cards and get called fouls. And so, being a goalkeeper is not an easy thing now. Um, I think I still fall on the side that I think Vicario needs to be better. I think again he either needs to feel contact and flop to the ground or he needs to push and body people out of the way and if the ref want if the ref wants to gather the courage to call a foul against Vicario for being a bit more physical then that's on them and then we have VAR to to review those things but for now I think for me either Vicario needs to uh, Feel the contact and go to the ground and win a free kick. Buy a free kick the way every other player on the pitch does, or he just needs to be a bit—he uh, needs to be a bit stronger and more physical. He needs to be more physical and and put the decision in the refs' hands to decide whether he's being too physical, which is not a call that they make in the Premier League very often. That being said, he's still our best goalkeeper. He's going to start against Brighton. For our back four, you know, I've I've continued to try to predict different teams. I've tried to predict different, um, you know. Uh, ways that we're going to play and incorporating different players and incorporating squad players, but you know what? Ange has shown that unlike other managers we've had in the past, um, in particularly when it comes to mind is Pochettino, who really liked to rotate the squad. I don't think we're going to see that with um, with Ange nearly as much. I think that most likely we're going to see a back four that we're accustomed to seeing in Pedro Porro, Christian Romero, Mickey Van de Ven, and Destiny Odogwu. I think that's what we are going to continue to see. Uh, as we move through through the Premier League. I think we're going to see a back four of Pedro Poro, Christian Romero, Mickey Van, De Van and Destiny Udagi. Those are our best four defenders in their individual positions. Um, this is our best back four. But, you know, what's weird is despite the fact that unanimously it feels like our best back four, defensively, they haven't been great. And so I'm really looking forward to a match similar to, like, sort of at the beginning of the season that we kind of come out and we, you know, we you know, put on a good defensive performance where we're defensively minded. I can't believe I'm saying that. I don't, and I still want us to play attacking, but the emphasis needs to be on the fact that you can't lose a Premier League match if you don't concede a goal. So that, that's kind of where I'm coming at. I I think I I just am excited for a bit more of a balanced match where we look threatening in front of goal, but also we look pretty stout defensively. So that being said, I think our back four is going to be one that we're accustomed to seeing. And you know, until other players can prove that they're willing to step into that back four, I think that's going to continue to be our back four. The midfield is where it gets pretty interesting, though. Uh, we've got everyone to choose from. We've got pretty much all six, seven, eight players really to choose from, assuming that Giovanni Laselso passes fit. Uh, for me, Bentancor gets the drop. I think he gets the boot. The last two matches, you know, um, I said we'd touch on it, and and sort of here we are. You know, I think bentancor has been poor. It's really hard, I think, I think it's really easy t- for us to attribute the as well as he's played over the last, you know, b- before he got injured and then right when he came back. I think that um, it's easy to kind of put some goggles on and and sort of not see the fact that he's he's been a little bit poor. But, you know, his ball carrying hasn't been as great. He hasn't looked as agile, his... Um, times where he's trying to pull off skill moves or, you know, sort of finesse passing. He's just, it's not quite coming off and it's just not quite happening for Benton at the moment. And so I, I do think he'll probably get the drop and come on as a, as a substitute in the, in the second half. I think as a result, you're going to see Sar come back in. I think Sar is a fan favorite. He's a favorite amongst his peers. He's a favorite amongst uh, Ange. And so, yeah, I think we're going to see Pap Sar come into the midfield and sort of play that advanced number eight sort of role, Uh, where he sort of gathers the ball from the in defense and then sort of carries the ball, brings it up, and plays those big, long, swooping passes up to, you know, a player like Sonny or Werner or whoever decides to start up front. So I think we're going to see Papsar. You know, I think most likely we are going to see Yves Basuma play in our sixth position. I think, assuming that his knock isn't, you know, too bad or anything like that, I would assume that we'll see Basuma... Um, I know he contracted an illness when he first got to AFCON, but he played, and then and then he had some sort of knock that he got in training, but he went unused, which is weird because he's Mali's number 10, so you'd have to think the injury is serious enough, but he also made the bench, and so I don't know. It's a weird one with Basumo as to why he wasn't playing those last couple matches with Mali, but he's back with us, and I would assume that unless he's unfit, which I've heard no indication that he's unfit, that he'll start. Um, he is an upgrade on Hoybier. I will defend Hoybier until I'm blue in the face, but he's better than Hoybier, or he's at least more adept to the way Ange wants to play than Hoybier. So I've gone for Sauron Basuma at, as the 6 and the number eight, and then obviously we're going number ten, James Madison. Um, he's played well. I think he looked a bit—he looked rusty coming off, um, you know, against Brentford. And then uh, I thought that he looked better against Everton. Not great. I thought he looked better. He was more attacking. Um, and he kind of had the shot that led to, um, well in the, in the Brentford game, he had the shot that led to, uh, to, uh, Richarlison's goal. And then I think he had a lot of really good build-up play. He had the assist for, for Richarlison's second goal against Everton. And so I think he's slowly working his way back into the team. He's looking good. So I think we're going with Madison back in and then up to our front three again, kind of gets interesting. We'll start up top with our number nine. No one, you're not benching Richarlison. He's the best. He's the, you know, most informed striker in the Premier League right now. There's not really much more that needs to be said about, about Richarlison. He's going to start up top. He's, you could argue he's our best player right now. He's playing great. When he plays instinctively and he has players who are feeding him the ball and in, in dangerous positions, Richarlison's one of the best players in the Premier League. So I think he's, um, he's kind of finding that form. He's playing instinctively. Uh, he's playing with, with a lot of courage. He's playing with a lot of, you know, he's playing with a lot of passion. I I think he's, still in the in question to be our, our player of the season still. He's playing so well, and he's slowly starting to fill that Harry Kane void. Um, as for our right wing, I've gone for Kulusevski. To me, it was strange that Brennan Johnson started the match and Kulusevski didn't, and so I think is going to start this match. Um, I don't know if he was just doing that for the sake of rotation, Pasta but I think we'll probably see Kulusevski on the right wing. And then I think that we'll see Sonny playing left wing. I think that we're going to see Sonny back in the squad. He's our captain. You know, he's played a lot of minutes, but, you know, I think that him only playing 90 minutes um, against Jordan in their semifinal, mixed with um, mixed with the fact that he's going to be rearing to go, you know, he will have had time to kind of rest and relax and get back into it. I think we're going to see Sonny again. I think we're going to see our captain back. Um, and, I mean, not a moment too soon. I think that... While we've continued to be threatening in front of goal, and we have lots of goal scorers outside of Sonny, he's our best. I mean, he is our best player. He's a club captain. He's he's ne- needs a statue outside of the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium the second that he stops playing for us. I mean, he's our best player, um, and we're a better team when he's in the team. So that that's the team I've gone for. I, I expect a great match, uh, high tempo as always. Um, if it's a Spurs match, it's going to be high tempo. But you know, honestly, that's that's kind of my expectation. Um, and the only difference, the only thing that's kind of weird now is that we sort of had a, a run of fixtures sort of back to back to back to back. And so now we kind of get the chance to sort of take a breath, let some players rest and recuperate, get some players back into, you know, match fitness. Uh, players like LaCelso who will be a great sub to have for Madison. I think against that, uh, against Everton, if we could have brought Lacelso on instead of, you know, for Madison... Uh, as a substitute, we would have still had that out ball and that attacking threat in the midfield instead of just bringing skip on to kind of hold the fort down. So, yeah, I don't know. I think that, uh, I think this week having this break, it's, you know, I want to, I want to see us go back in there and get three points, but glad to have the week break, glad to have the opportunity for us to, to kind of take a breath and, and reflect on what's been a frustrating weekend and, you know, um, and, and kind of get back into the swing of just playing steady steady Premier League football. I think being over the the loss in the FA Cup, we can kind of really focus on on just playing Premier League football and and you know trying to win this 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 Premier League title, which we are only seven points off the top. I think the only good thing about Arsenal winning that match against Liverpool over the weekend is the fact that at the end of the day, when we started, you know, this match week, the match week twenty-three, we were eight points off the top. And when match week twenty-three finished. We were seven points off the top. And so at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. So now it's on us to continue to win matches and hope that that things continue to go our way. The big boys have to keep... um, All these big boys have to keep playing each other, including us. Um, But all these players and all these teams have points to take off of each other. And all we need to do is just continue to pinch away little by little and get back at it and continue to be the dark horse that we've been all season. So I'm up in the Spurs. I'm back in the Spurs. As always, I'm going to do a, a shout-out for our social media. We're closing in on 100 followers on X, which may not sound like a lot, but that's crazy. I mean, we've only been around for for a little bit, so um, come in. Come follow us. Like We're building a following. Um, I'm working with other podcasts and other live streams. I'm going to be um, hoping to be featuring on some, on some other things in the near future uh, to kind of uh, boost both us and also, like I said, the whole point of this whole like, sort of experiment and this whole – podcasts and our social media presence is to build a stronger community of Spurs supporters this side of the Atlantic. I'm trying to interact with those, you know, in the UK and whatnot, using those connections that I have. But, but you know, it's also, it's all about bringing that community and, and, and bringing that here. So I was really proud over the past week. Um, I'm here in Vermont and I had the official Vermont Supporters Club um, interacting with with the South Dorset Supporters Club. So shout out to both of them, which was pretty exciting um, to have kind of two of my homes sort of meeting and at least virtually meeting and, and coming together, so that was pretty cool. And and so that's what we're trying to do here, trying to build a bit of a community. So um, look out for for shout outs. That's what we want to do here. We want to we want to shout out members of our community. So what we're gonna do is for our 100th follower, we are gonna shout them out on the podcast, uh, give them the chance to talk, um, or you know you know say something or ask a question on the podcast, something like that. So still need to work that out, but all that to say is. Um, until then, you know, we're going to be active. So interact with us, subscribe, follow, do all the things. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music. Uh, we're on Twitter doing all those things. So so give us a follow. And until then, come on, you Spurs. Taught them till I die. You know the rest. And let's support our Spurs as we march into Brighton at this weekend.